Thank you for listening to this episode of Lunchpail Guys. Episodes are released weekly, and you can always check the description for timestamps of topics you want to follow. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please leave a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore, and subscribe to be notified of new episodes in the future. Not a whole lot going on in the news, the sports world outside of, uh, no, it's not even a sports conversation. Will Smith smacked the sweep out of Chris Rock during the Oscars. <laughs> Maybe the next like YouTube boxing match type deal where Chris Rock versus Will Smith, something like that. Um, I didn't, did anyone actually see it live? Yeah. I did not see it live. No, I, I didn't watch it. like 15 minutes later that yeah. was like, Chris Rock has been slapped. I just opened Twitter and went right in and just dived in to see what happened. I'm gonna look up the ratings right now. Well, I don't they know probably how... went up after that point. Exactly. Yeah, I would imagine they did. It rose from last year to be the second lowest ever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fifteen point nice. four million. Nice. The the movie that won the where I guess a movie podcast now, Coda I watched today, like right before this podcast. Yeah. Great movie. Oh okay. good. I've heard it's good. Noted. Yeah. Yes. Good stuff. King Apple Richard, TV finally the uh, sports movie. Will Smith won an award. Yes. Uh, exactly. So he was we'll in concussion, you know, years ago. He's, he's, he's he is in the, the sports, sports actor. Movies. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly. Hancock. Uh Final Four <laughs> has been set. <laughs> the Final Four has been set. Uh, UNC, Duke, Villanova, and Kansas. I don't know if I read this correctly. This might be the first time UNC and Duke have played each other in the Final Four. In the but, tournament. Yeah, in the tournament. So They've the, never I mean, played each other, yeah. They're Jeez. connected and, and cursed, and UNC's got a team of destiny to go on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My roommate got every single Final Four team correct. He is ranked number 4,000 in the world out of 17 million, which is insane. <laughs> I Which, saw that, and I, like, yeah, I remember seeing that as the Elite Eight started, and I was like, wow, it's wild that his four are still in, and then it's <laughs> perfect, it remains perfect, so, wow. Yeah. yeah, crazy. Duke was an easy pick. Go bold and pick St. <laughs> Peter's, who is no longer a part of the tournament, unfortunately, but had a fantastic run. I believe mm-hmm. the head coach of St. Peter's moved on to Seton Hall. He got a deal there, I want to say. Oh, I'm also oh, a he really? That, that was so fast. I, I heard that as well. Yeah, I figured it would happen. happen but, yeah. um, a lot of love, a lot of love in the St. Peter's locker room for sure. <laughs> Not a whole lot of love in the Miami locker room. Eric Spolstra and Jay Butt went head, went toe to toe, and then Haslam said that he would beat Jimmy Butler's ass uh, in a situation in that that little altercation. I think the conversation started with Udonis Haslam saying you couldn't survive in my era. Which is what a ridiculous Wait, really? thing to say. I think so. this is what this is what I remember. Here. Isn't this currently still Udonis Haslam's era? Because he's an <laughs> yeah. active player. He's talking about. <laughs> and then he and then Jimmy Butler said Dwayne Wade made you, and then that's kind of like the rest of that conversation. That's how the rest of the conversation went. We all saw it unfold. But they're also like a really chippy, uh, fi- fiery culture. So I don't really have that much stake into it. Italy missed the World Cup. Canada is in. U.S. knock on wood is in. So take that, Italy, your little boot. 
Sorry, Luca. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, they miss. It's wild too. They missed the last two World Cups, but they won the European Championship in between, which yeah. is just like wild that that happened. But yeah, is they got they got Ferrari than, now. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, hold that L, Italy v- listeners. Just <laughs> no. alienating a. Yeah. Our sizable we, Italian fan base. That's listening. You know, we did have a Ukrainian listener this week. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Shout out to you, man. If you if you made it back this week, yeah. I, I saw we a video it. of a of a streamer who like pointed his camera out the window and they were getting shelled, and then he pointed it back to his computer. He's like, "I'm streaming right now." It's like, what are Ukrainian listeners maybe doing this week too? Wow. Yeah, that's insane. Right. Good for them. We have a large population of people who stream our podcast live on video. They just stream themselves <laughs> listening to our podcast. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would be that would be crazy. Yeah. Speaking of crazy, Tyreek Hill got traded. Uh, we did not really see this coming. Kansas City and Tyreek Hill failed to agree to terms on a contract negotiation, and the Chiefs des- Chiefs decided to trade him away for five picks to the Miami Dolphins. Jared, I'm going to ask you: Does this move make any sense at all for either side? What does this trade mean for the Chiefs? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really understand the trade, to be honest, other than that Tyreek wanted to make more money, and which everybody in society does, so I guess I can't really blame him too much, but all, like, it, yeah, like you said, White, it came out of nowhere, we saw a report that the Chiefs would let Hill explore other options, and then literally, like, an hour later, he was traded, it was, the, it was like, one of the craziest news cycles I've seen, even in this offseason, mm-hmm. but I think... I guess if you're Tyreek Hill, you're banking on the fact that Tua is going to be Bama Tua by virtue of having an elite receiving core, which he had at Bama. I don't know if that's going to really transfer to the NFL. I'm sure, you know, the Dolphins as well from their side wanted to help Tua push the ball down the field, which has been a struggle of his since he's been in the league. But I I don't get that the Dolphins are in win-now mode right now. I, I don't really see that for the Miami Dolphins. Like, sure, they're making a splash, and you always want to make your team get better, but... Gosh, giving up five picks, though, for a 28-year-old wide receiver who's now the highest-paid non-quarterback in the league as well, I really don't, I don't know. A lot of people love this trade, but I I don't really get it. The thing, though, from the Chiefs' perspective is that the Bengals kind of learned that if you just keep everything in front of you, easier said than done, you can slow down the Chiefs. And the Chiefs are going to slow down next year, even without, you know, without a Tyreek Hill who's going to give you he can give you like a free touchdown at any point just by beating his man, you know, or and beating the safety as well. And I get that Travis Kelsey is pretty much unguardable, but he's 32 years old, which is the same age as Gronk. And you see like kind of how, how much Gronk breaks down. Eventually that's going to happen to Travis Kelsey too. So I get that the Chiefs like are banking on the talent of Mahomes and Kelsey and I guess Juju Smith-Schuster now, but um, they're definitely going to regress – I don't really – I guess that Tyreek kind of forced the Chiefs' hand, and if they do really well on these draft picks, then it'll look really good um, for the Chiefs in a couple years. But I definitely do not understand this from, like, Tyreek Hill's perspective and the Miami Dolphins' perspective. I don't really understand why he would want to go to Miami. I think part of this maybe from the Chiefs' perspective is the Mahomes deal kind of kicking in at this point. So Mahomes' cap number jumps – jump from 7.4 million this year to 35.8 million next year so like their amount of cap space they have is just dwindling and dwindling and you mentioned it earlier too that like 
Tyreek Hill wanted to get paid, and he's just that's never going to be able to happen on the Chiefs at this point with Mahomes' cap number growing and growing, unless they did obviously a ton of restructuring. So I think for the Chiefs, it might have just been like a okay, let's get rid of him while we can get value for something if he's not going to resign at the level he wants. Like I think it makes him a, a worse football team. Like Juju and Marquez Valdez Scantling, like, I don't think really. <laughs> yeah improve the team like are an improvement over hill and maybe they'll hit a home run in the draft but i think from the chiefs perspective it has to be like at least in some part due to like the effects of the home deal finally really kicking in yeah. and i'll tell you what as far as the team goes here's the bright side is that they now have 20 million dollars in cap space to spend or at least a little less than that after the, the scantly deal and then they have two first round picks so between the two of those things, they can find a way to, to fill the hole that Tyreek will leave. Regardless of whether they use any of those picks on a first-round wide receiver, they won't get Tyreek Hill. And if they trade for somebody else now, I mean, Devontae's gone, Tyreek's gone, DeAndre Hopkins isn't going to get traded. Uh, any of like the five best wide, receiver in the, wide receivers in the league probably won't get traded. So they're going to have to sign a free agent or go out and draft a guy. Regardless of what they do, they're not going to be able to replace Tyreek Hill eventually. But maybe the sum will be will equal more than its parts type deal, and they can find a way to kind of have a more balanced passing game, and they can go and they can add a Stephon Gilmore, or they can go and they can get you know Odell Beckham, and then draft Jamison Williams, and then kind of fill out the rest of their wide receiver room accordingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I honestly admire how quickly the Chiefs kind of reacted to it and made it happen. Because I feel like, to a degree, they could have reacted quickly and, like, tried to sign him to some ridiculous deal that would have cash-strapped them even more. Um, Or they could have just waited. It sounded like Tyreek was willing to hold out for the year, and I don't really doubt that he would do that. Um, And I feel like it's worth it. Like, they got a pretty good haul, you know, from the Dolphins. And there are a bunch of teams who, like, for a mid-year trade are going to be off the the books because they, you know, haven't had a good start of the season and they're not going to go out and try to get Tyreek halfway through the year. So I feel like it made sense to just pull the trigger now, given their cap situation. Good for them. And I think that also speaks to how well their front office runs. Last year, they drafted probably the best or one of the three best centers in football in the second round. The Travis Kelsey was not a first round pick. Tyreek Hill was not a first round pick. Patrick Mahomes was not the consensus uh, quarterback one in their draft, and they didn't pick him first overall. They've done uh, wonders with all of the picks that they've had. So as far as a team going and having picks, the Kansas City Chiefs having two of them would make me believe, if I were a fan Mm -hmm. of them, and especially just as an outsider, that they have the ability to use those accordingly and then draft whoever, you know, might be the best player available at the time. Or they trade back and then they draft, you know, another second-round wide receiver who ends up being good enough and they can help elevate them because at the end of the day uh patrick mahomes is still the engine that that, that helps the chief run and andy reed is the driver of that car tyreek hill might have been the gas pedal but sometimes you just got to switch out parts as long as the engine still works fine you can believe that that they might be able to keep up with everybody else still it's interesting. There are so many parallels here with the the Packers trading Adams, right? Like it's a team completely committing to their quarterback. A great wide receiver gets traded for a boatload of picks, and now they're getting paid a lot. Uh, it just seems like I don't know. Yeah, maybe there's a maybe there's a, a movement in the league now that's like teams prefer to they think that their wide receivers can be elevated by their quarterback more than the other way around. 
I think that's yeah. that's interesting. The difference yeah. is, I saw an interesting tweet that was saying basically the Chiefs seem to be like embodying a mentality here of they want to be good for long yeah. rather than elite for a shorter term. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of thinking we're going to stick with Mahomes, we're going to get rid of our, our wide receiver, and then like why I was saying, try to replace him in the draft or something. And over the long term, Mahomes will carry us more than Tyreek Hill yeah. staying here would have, which is an interesting take, I think. Yeah, because like long term, like I think like the five picks are like an upgrade over you know, what would be, like, a 30-something-year-old Tyreek Hill. Yeah. The fact that you can, like, use all that to, like, not only maybe reload and replace with a wide receiver in the draft, but just sort of, like, fill out your holes generally. Like, five picks is, a, like, a lot. And even if you don't hit on every single one of them, like, with the way they've drafted, like, why I mentioned it, like, they're going to hit probably on at least one or two of them and keep themselves going pretty good going into the future. Yeah, because that's the way to stay cheap while... Like increasing longevity, yep. whereas with the Packers, it's so worrying, right? Because they're in win now mode. It's like how how much longer is their window? And then they're getting rid of Devontae Adams. Um, so, yeah. Do you think it was? Do you think it was because of Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow this year? That that everybody's starting to say, okay, now we just go get a receiver. That's really. I mean, they also had T. Higgins, and yeah. and also um, Tyler Boyd. Uh, Mixon, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know, like, Jamar Chase is, like, a top five pick, top six, like, I don't know, like, that's not just going to fall into every team's lap, too, yeah. and I think, like, that was also a very unique circumstance, because they played together in college, and, like, all that sort of stuff, so I don't know if it's, like, directly translatable, but, like, yeah. you're just going to go into the draft and, like, <clears throat> pick somebody who's going to be, like, a pro bowler right away. It might be part of it, because there was the, the Stefan Diggs-Josh Allen connection, which apparently... Everyone credits to elevating Josh Allen's game. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyreek Hill, or uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray, uh, Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes. I think Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow are playing a part in it as far as like what they can do. But you know, it wasn't just. That would be a really stupid way of looking at it if you're a GM because I think that it wasn't just Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. There was a lot of other yeah. things going on, like you mentioned, Jared. Mm -hmm. For the kind Dolphins. Of, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, Aiden. I've cut you off like three no. times already. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> I didn't want to talk. It's fine. Um, but <laughs> I, I think it'll be interesting. Like, obviously, we're all looking forward to watching the Chiefs-Packers draft. But I think they both have a bunch of picks now from these trades. They could potentially trade up if they want to go for, like, the kind of big-name receivers rather than, like, a late first-round receiver with their current stuff. Yeah. yeah but from, from, oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. I, I, I was just going to say, from what I can tell, I don't think that there's like a consensus number one receiver in this draft, yeah. which is interesting. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if they do that, they're going to have to really like a guy. And yeah. I don't know who that guy would be. Yeah. But yeah. Ohio definitely. State. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to see Chris, Chris Olave. Yeah, I would go Chris Olave yeah, yeah. 100%. The, there's reports that Sky Moore is their guy. I would also throw out mm -hmm. Jahan Dotson as well, who's yeah. a guy I like out of Penn State. Uh, but they could also I here I'm just gonna toss this out and then I want to move on to the Dolphins as well. Mm -hmm. I want to see them go and get Tyler Lockett. He <laughs> he's kind of reportedly in the trade. It's not gonna cost them one of their first round picks. Uh, definitely not. DK probably isn't gonna be moved on that team, but I can mm -hmm. imagine that Tyler might be. So it would be an interesting move to see them kind of go for him. I know he's not necessarily the cheapest, but he's not being ty paid Tyreek Hill money. Might yeah. be. Worth something to look at, and he's then Adequan. older and worse than Tyreek yeah. Hill. So yeah, but he's but still. he's better than and cheaper than a lot of the other guys they can go get. True. Like as I far as like as far as a sure thing goes, 
between all the guys that are left, Jarvis Landry, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham Jr., Allen Robinson is off the board. I mean, if you look at all of the guys who were kind of floating out there in free agency for a while, Tyler Lockett is better than all of them, I would say. Sure, but I think if, like, you're the Chiefs and your strategy, like, at this point, is, like, very clearly to be, like, building, like, to the future to, like, stay good into the future. I don't know if, like, sending away a few of those draft picks or whatever. Or, but, I mean, um, it would only cost, like, a third and fourth, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it, to me, it's just, like, if you're going to commit to the future, commit to the future. Like, I trust Mahomes to elevate a rookie wide receiver. And, like, if you can get some extra value out of those third and fourth round picks. Like, Lockett wouldn't be a bad move, but I'm just not mm-hmm. convinced, like, something like that would be, like, a no-brainer, like, go-to move for the Chiefs. Excuse me, Chiefs either. Yeah, I can see it. I just, with the salary cap going up, you could probably afford to make yeah. some moves, you know, around there. Or have a couple shorter-term yeah. deals. For the Dolphins side of it, this is, obviously, this is Tua's last straw to kind of prove himself as an NFL, uh, you know, starting quarterback. And a lot of people are concerned that Tyreek Hill will not get a huge amount of production or Tua's not going to be able to get him the ball. They already have Jalen Waddell there who led the league in rookie receptions, I want to say. But he definitely was not explosive in the yards and touchdown category the same way that Jamar Chase was. So it's a question of Tua. He has like an average depth of target of like six yards or something like that. I don't believe that Tyreek Hill was completely dependent on a downfield passing game for the Chiefs. You can see a lot of the times, especially during the most recent game against the Bills, where there's a couple passes where he throw like a seven-yard hitch and then he just decides that he can take it all the way across to the other side of the field. So I wouldn't be too worried about that. But the only thing that I'm going to – the last thing I'm going to say is that going into next year, I think we need to pull back our expectation of Tua. Jared, you mentioned uh, he was, might be Alabama Tua, but I don't believe that we will ever see Alabama Tua ever again. I think his peak is Jimmy Garoppolo. And this is basically the 49ers in Miami. And if he's good enough to be as good as Jimmy Garoppolo was early on with the 49ers, I think he'll be fine. Until they trade for Tom Brady. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. yeah. 50-year-old Tom Brady. And that also yeah. means that he'll always be a guy that they look to upgrade from. Because obviously this, the 49ers did as well. So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely not sold on the this making sense for the Dolphins, but it definitely makes more sense for them than the Jets, who are the other. <laughs> yeah. So thank God that yeah. didn't happen. Um, mm. but <laughs> yeah. Just by the way, eyeing up A.J. Brown, D.K., and Debo Samuel, apparently. <laughs> All three. AJ Brown? I didn't know he <laughs> was on the market. No, all three. They're, they're not on the market. They're just keeping, oh, okay. they're just keeping <laughs> they're just, an eye just keeping their eyes out. Yeah. Just, just, just looking. You know, they're window like shopping at the moment. Like, yeah. You know, if something goes on sale, they <laughs> might take to look at it, you know. Debo uh, is not on sale. <laughs> no way. Not on sale. As far as you know, <laughs> yeah. the Jets are going to work their magic. And and... Their magic? What magic? <laughs> I don't know. They're going to conjure up some magic. <laughs> Keenan Allen commented, this is going to expose some people on a post uh, underneath the NFL that uh, announcing the trade from Tyreek to the Dolphins. Jared, who do you think is going to get exposed? I don't think he knows. I think he's just saying this because, okay, if one of them looks worse, then I'm going to be right. I don't think he even knows. I have no idea who he's talking about here. I think I would lean, I would lean to, I honestly would lean to he's talking about the Chiefs. 
because he, I don't he, think like he hopes that it's the Chiefs. Yeah, because he the division, hopes that obviously. Patrick Mahomes is getting exposed. Right. I think if it's gonna be someone, it's gonna be Tyreek. Well, but, yeah, but the thing thought, is that Tyreek is not is not gonna get any slower. He's still gonna be like <laughs> the fast yards after catch or deep pass guy. He is. I don't think it's gonna expose Tyreek necessarily because he's like he's gonna have less receptions probably. I don't think it's exposing him. I think it's going to expose the Chiefs. Well, yeah, I, mean, I, I just think know. he's going to... Oh, go ahead, Bart. Sorry. I, I was just like... You can make an argument that maybe Patrick Mahomes like makes a lot of crazy plays that a normal quarterback can't make. And so, like, Tyreek Hill isn't getting a lot of necessarily catches because of, like, good route running or something like that. It's more <laughs> like Mahomes being a great quarterback. Maybe that's the idea. Tua's not going to be able to compare to that. So, anyway, Right, but yeah, his, pure, his pure athleticism yeah. is not going to change. Not dramatically. Your right, athleticism doesn't matter when the ball's thrown at your feet. Right. Time, you know, like, uh, <laughs> so that's not exposing Tyreek, though. That's exposed. That's I know. Much. That's why I think he's just saying something. But yeah. if anybody like, looks worse out of the trade, I think it'll probably be Tyreek. Okay. Also, Keenan Allen, I'm pretty sure he commented elsewhere that he said he's glad he's out of the division, too. So I feel like he was oh. he was talking about Mahomes. Right? Yeah. Even, if, even if someone else might be exposed. Who knows who will be exposed, if anyone. Um, but... <laughs> receivers were backing receivers here. Yeah. Yes. I mean, as we know, Patrick Mahomes' success is purely attributable to Tyree Kale. So, exactly. You know. About a week ago, J.C. Jackson, the corner who signed with the Chargers, was one of the bigger losers of moving to the AFC West because he had to guard Devontae Adams and Tyree Kale. <laughs> Today, he's a little bit more of a winner because Tyree Kale is gone. So, yeah. good for him. Good job, J.C. Good pick. <laughs> But with the with Tyreek moving on, there's kind of a name of a long list of players. This NFL offseason has obviously been a wild one. Wilson, Watson, Adams, Hill, Mack, you know, uh, Von Miller moved, all that stuff. A lot of people have been traded. Lucas, do you think player mobility is good for the sport of the NFL, or is this a slippery slope? I think it's overall pretty good for the NFL. I think you have to sort of look at it from two perspectives. Um, so, like, First, purely just like an excitement-based perspective, and second, like from a competitive balance perspective. And starting with the purely excitement-based perspective, I think it's absolutely great for the NFL. So the NFL has traditionally had not super exciting off-seasons um, in terms of like big moves between teams. You know, there's occasionally like a big free agency signing or two, but nobody's wheeling or dealing in the off-season like they are in the NBA or the MLB. I think the off-season then in the NFL suffers a little bit because of that. Sure, we get the draft, and I think like that's the big marquee of the off-season, but other than that, Player movement doesn't really take the center stage. And so a lot of the offseason NFL discussion after the draft is purely focused on like speculation about the next year as opposed to what's actually going on. And I think with this offseason and all the player mobility we've had, we've gotten a little bit less speculation about the future and more talking about just like the craziness of what's going, what's going on, which I think is good for engagement and excitement for the sport. And I think the second way you have to look at it then is from a competitive balance perspective. And I think the jury's still out on whether this will be good or bad for competitive balance, but I think I lean a little bit more towards it'll be good for competitive balance as well. So the other league with like the most player mobility is probably the NBA, um, and I think there were in the past some justified complaints that it led to a concentration of power in the hands of a few teams. Um, I think it's a fine price to pay for greater players' rights and mobility, but I think the concentration of power in the hands of a few teams is less of an issue in the NFL with player mobility, where obviously a team can rely to win with a good quarterback, but other than that, each individual player makes less of a difference because there are more of them in basketball. Like, Khalil Mack is a great player, but him going to the Chargers doesn't make the Chargers automatically Super Bowl contenders in the way that LeBron moving to the Lakers 
um, makes him an automatic uh, NBA Finals contender. So I don't think it really impacts competitive balance in the way that it does in the NBA. And even with all the talk of concentration of power in the hands of like the AFC West, like at least that's a division we're talking about as opposed to like a singular team who's definitely going to win it. So well, I'm interested to see how it plays out. I do think competitive balance might not be as huge of an issue in this case as well. So then overall, I think combining those two things, player mobility is probably really good on the balance of things, uh, good for the NFL. And I think it's a slippery slope. <laughs> I, Tyreek Hill had a contract with the Chiefs before Devontae Adams had been traded and signed. And after Devontae Adams had been signed, he decided to ask to become the highest paid wide receiver in the league also. Deshaun Watson was going to get traded, and then he turned down the Cleveland Browns, and then they decided they were going to give him the most guaranteed money. They were going to rip up his contract and give him the most money, and then he decided to go there as well. Sometimes players get traded. Khalil Mack, I'm not really worried about it. Um, Russell Wilson, I'm kind of over that situation anyway. But at this point, we cannot get to a point where players are just deciding to tear up their contracts, demand more money, or be moved like in the Tyreek Hill situation. Why not? Team, build- Why can't? team yeah, building no team building and roster control are one of the best parts of football, and it feels like a slippery slope to have players move on a regular basis. And I get that over the last couple of years that this has been the most crazy offseason and a lot of the other ones haven't been like Devonte adams has spent a significant amount of times on the packers same with tyreek hill same with russell wilson kind of same with Deshaun watson but this is the tip of the iceberg when it comes to players now all of a sudden decided that they want to trade because has the spreading of wealth been good for the nba or baseball or do they all just go to california and then all of a sudden, now every LA team or all these good weather teams are the only teams with decent players, and everybody in the middle of the uh, of the country are just teetering on mediocrity. The Milwaukee Bucks won the NBA Finals last yeah. year. That's like I love Wisconsin, love Milwaukee. But that's not like a, a sexy like and I, free agent and, destination. And they're lucky that their superstar <laughs> is in over like a a. a, a a foreigner, I guess. He's from overseas. He he loves Milwaukee because Milwaukee is all he's ever known. I'm sure if he was a kid from California, he would probably or be playing in California. Because he wants to win basketball right games and win championships, Wyatt. And if you're valued, you don't want to leave. If you're valued appropriately, you're not going to leave. And they give you everything you need, you're not going to leave. That's why that's why he stays in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they built a team around him, and he got they got like good talent to come there. So yeah, so what is if it's a slippery slope? Like, what is the pit at the bottom? Is my question, and what is bad about that? What do you mean? What's bad about that? The whole point was that it would be a spread of the wealth, and that we would have good players across the league. And I know that we didn't expect Tyreek Hill to end up in Miami, but I imagine that Miami isn't one of the worst places you could possibly go. I think the pit is. These expansion teams like Jacksonville, uh, Houston, hell, even probably some of the two New York teams. I know they're not an expansion team, but they just basically, they never retain superstars. I don't know. Well, I, I, don't, like, I don't know about that at all. Look at Cincinnati. Yeah. Look at the Bengals this year. That's not a free agent destination. They just made the Super Bowl. And we've talked about this before about, they just I think, whether the Bucks or Rams or somebody like that was a super team. And you can't just buy the best team in the NFL. It just doesn't no, happen. I, like, the I Dallas understand. Cowboys, you can't even, New York you can't, Jets, Cleveland Browns, and Patriots were the top four teams in payroll. None of them won a playoff game this year. No, the Bengals I, were like I understand, Jared. I understand the, like the, nature of, the nature of the game that even tanking isn't impossible. But 
I'll tell you what, the Jacksonville Jaguars have a far higher chance of losing a game than the Los Angeles Rams. And at at that point, that's what the power struggle is going to be. What what's the power struggle? Where where one team has all the good players and another team has all the bad players. I don't know. I, I don't feel like like players. Yeah, like the sexy locations like L.A. But at the end of the day, the NFL is a fixed salary cap, and they follow money more. I feel like, and it's going to have to be fairly well distributed. Yes, L.A. won this year, but like you said, the New York team sucked. And that's also, like, yeah, it's not a warm weather place, but that's always talked about as, like, an attractive location. Nobody's, nobody's going to New York. <laughs> Clearly. Oh, why? It's yeah. because everybody yeah. scares everyone. Yeah, but everyone at, like, scares baseball, people away yeah. because of the yeah. New York media who loves to blow themselves more than anybody else. But, yeah, I mean, but, like, if, if you look at baseball where there's obviously not a fixed salary cap and, like, the New York teams are rich and it's, like, glitzy and whatnot, they get a ton of talent. Like, the Mets and Yankees have, like, tons of talent right now whether they actually execute on it they have huge yeah. payrolls like, i feel like the nfl and the nba to some degree are not there thankfully and same with, same with like the phillies too the phillies like are like have become like a pretty big like free agent destination yeah. they got bryce harper they've yeah. been like one of the biggest contracts in history like they got like a few really big free agent signings this offseason too like i think like even in the sport was probably most extreme of chasing money like he's still like non-good weather like hard media sports cities like becoming attractive free agent destinations too yeah like i i see what you're saying why but i just feel like there's not there's not enough evidence right now i would need to see this happening several more off seasons over and over again before i would start getting worried about it right now i don't think it's actually like i just don't actually think it's a concern no i don't it's not do you think the league do you think there's more parity in the league right now because of these trades than there was before there, yes, Tyreek Hill leaving the Chiefs and going to another team is more parity. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Devontae yes. Adams go, joining the Raiders, I think, is more parity. Okay, let's let's forget about right now because right now it's all unknown and this is the first time it's happened. I totally understand that. If this happens again and again and again where, te- where players are just, you know, chasing money and getting out of town all the, all the time, it kind of I just feel like it's going to be a bad rap where superstars are always on the move. Yeah, in the NBA, a lot of a lot of owners do not like the whole player mobility, forcing trades, holding out type mindset that a lot of NBA players have. And if that translates over to the NFL, I think it's bad news. I don't think it it's not going to though because the NFL has 11 players on each side of the ball. NBA only has 5 players. And the amount of times that you can influence the game as an NBA player is not nearly as high as even a wide receiver can do. You mean the opposite? Um, what's the opposite? <laughs> what did I say? That, that an NBA player has more opportunities to influence the game than an NFL player. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I just don't think I. Just, I think the the way that football is set up is you. It doesn't really matter that much in terms of players forcing their way out. The, all right, fine. You want to force your way out? Look, look what happened to Le'Veon Bell or Antonio Brown. Okay, I get Antonio Brown's maybe not a good example because he won a Super Bowl. <laughs> But look at Le'Veon Bell. It's <laughs> <laughs> a fun no, game to play. Look at look yeah, at Zeke. No. Look at Zeke. What are the Cowboys? The Cowboys are hamstrung now. You know what I mean? Like holding out doesn't work. I don't think in the NFL. I really don't think it works. That's why I like. I I wish. I kind of wish the Packers had waited because you know Adams was like, I'm not going to play on the franchise tag. 
but we don't actually know how like devoted he was to that. I feel like players ultimately just take the money. <laughs> like it, it, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. It's holding out is usually not actually effective. I don't know. I th- I just feel like I'd like to see some players not have to be the highest paid player in the league every time. But yeah, you know? I don't know. I think. It's all monopoly money, I know, and I'm not no, counting anybody's no pockets. Way. If I had a chance to make thirty-two million dollars, I probably would take it too. But most people you know, in real life, I would also most take thirty million life, Like, I'd also most take people in real life are going to take the money, <laughs> just in general. Like, okay, so this is—I kind of have this theory. It's not super fleshed out, but I think there's maybe two reasons why there's a lot of off-season moving going on, like this year. One is it's either one I think is is the Tom Brady effect, and that he left the Bucks. I want this. I want an org that's all in on me and like what I want. And it worked. And then Matt Stafford, you go and trade for Matt Stafford works the year one. I think that maybe every team's like we could theoretically be one year away or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that's one reason. The other reason is, is it possible that like broader economic trends in the U S actually influence like how NFL players view their labor status as well. Like when you look at the great resignation, workers got more power and they're like you know what i don't need to work a job that's not going to let me work remote or whatever it is and there's there is somebody that is going to let me do that tyreek hill there is somebody that is going to pay me this money and i'm going to live in a warm weather city or whatever it is (laughs) that's those are my two theories is that maybe like just broader trends in the workforce have influenced how nfl players view their own labor situations and then the Tom Brady effect that like a lot of teams think they're maybe one year away f- from a big trade mm-hmm. and they could be it. What do people think? That's a great point about the broader economic trends that I absolutely had not like <laughs> thought about at all. I think it's, it's probably something to that as well. Like if it's happening societal wide, you know, might as well happen on football too. I really want that to be true because it's fun. It's like, a, <laughs> yes, uh, uh-huh. no. um, I don't have any evidence to the contrary or, you know, um, for yeah. it either. Um, but I like, I, would love to I definitely agree with write that. a research paper yeah. on it. You know? yeah, exactly. I hope, I hope somebody does there write a thesis piece on it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to know, like, why, why is this season, why is all this craziness happening? There is a reason, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Those are my two leading theories. Mm-hmm. You probably agree. Look, I just team building is a is a very fun thing about leagues, and I think that in the NBA, in the MLB especially, it's kind of moving away from that. But I agree on the MLB. We're gonna for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we're moving on to the NBA, and we're gonna do our. This is not bi-weekly anymore. I think we're like three weeks late now. Okay, Uh, our NBA power rankings. Yeah, our occasional power rankings. Aiden, start us off. Who is the best team in the NBA right now? It remains easy. It's the Suns. Uh, there are, you know, some some risers in the East who I guess could have a say. Um, but the Suns have the most wins by I think eight games currently in the NBA. Um, they've won seven in a row last time I checked. I think actually eight after yesterday. Eight. Um, they've been doing this without Chris Paul, who apparently will be returning soon. It's a pretty complete team. You know, Booker's an elite scorer. Eaton has been fantastic without Paul. McCall Bridges is ridiculous defender. Even Landry Shamit getting in on the action. He's averaging 54% from threes. So um, shout out to X-Sixers. Yes, he's a process sixer. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But anyway, yeah, I think the Suns are still pretty, um, pretty locked at number one for me. Bart, number two. 
I also think number two is pretty easy. I'm going with the Celtics. Yeah. Uh, I had a bullet point written ready to say that they jumped from 11th seed in the East to first. Uh, but the Heat just took it back today because they beat the Kings. So the Celtics are second. But the point stands. The Celtics are absolutely on fire right now. Nine and one in their last 10. Six and one against 500 and above teams. Get this. In each of their last six games, they have led by at least 24 points. It's nuts. They are so hot right now. Jason Tatum is not getting nearly enough MVP discussion. He should be right up there in those talks, even though I know he won't win. But, like, he is clearly the core piece of this phenomenal team. One thing to note, though, Robert Williams is Torres meniscus. That's probably going to completely screw up their defensive chemistry. We'll see how that goes. That's a, definitely a concern going into the playoffs. All they've said is that he will miss the rest of the regular season, though. So, fingers crossed. Anyway, I think the Celtics are an easy pick at two. Yeah, I agree with you, Bart. I got uh, the third pick here, and I think this is also an easy pick. I think there's a very clear top three right now that are a cut above right now of everybody else. Um, I'm going with the Grizzlies. They're really good still when John Morant doesn't play. I just saw that they're 17-2 and two when he doesn't play, which is ridiculous. Um, and they're, they're just an overall well-rounded team. They're in the top 10 of both offensive and defensive rating. Um, and I think they're... Uh, along with the Celtics and Suns, they're the only three teams that can say that. So I think it's a pretty – they're like a pretty clear top tier right now of those three teams, I would say. Right. The top three are pretty easy, and I think the next mix of maybe the next three are going to be teams that have struggled with some injuries and kind of found ways to stay afloat or at least shown flashes of it. So I'm going to pick the Milwaukee Bucks, who have won 10 of the past 13 um, they've had a couple injuries throughout the year, but Giannis still looks like he is not only one of, still the best player in the league, uh, he is a bona fide superstar. He's one of the leading MVP candidates, and he's like the most dominant force in the league that we've seen since probably Shaquille O'Neal, maybe. So, I mean, or Joel Embiid a couple weeks ago, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> but, um, you know, they're going to have a, a tough schedule to finish out the rest of this year, but I think that the Bucks, as defending champs, deserve the benefit of the doubt. Lucas, you got right below. Yeah, I mean, you always leave need the Sixers to pick in like their accurate <laughs> position. Like they've always been like three or seven or like five or like the place they actually are, and I get to pick them. So I'm gonna pick my Sixers again. Um, they've stabilized a little bit. Uh, there were some rocky times, like when they lost the Nets. And they had a close call against the Magic, and they lost the Nuggets, like right when the Harden sort of honeymoon ended. Uh, but they've really turned around since. They have a lot of really good wins recently. They're 9 and 3 total with Harden. In the last seven games, they've beaten the Cavs, who are free falling a little bit, but the Mavs, who have been really good, beat the Heat without either Embiid or Harden, which is like a great sign for like their bench depth that like, like that team could be the full strength Heat team. They blew out the Clippers the other night, um, and they lost the Suns yesterday, but they played them really close for most of the game, and I think that's like a pretty encouraging sign going forward. Um, Embiid is pretty much the odds-on favorite for MVP now. He's back on like the top of the NBA's official like power rankings. Um, I think that's sort of been heightened by the Nuggets slipping up a little bit, um, Nuggets falling out, but you know they've had they've been really good with Harden in the lineup for the most part. A couple small slip-ups, but. They were very briefly in first place in the East on Saturday, I think. And just to note, like the 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 East is crazy. Like the top four teams are all within a half a game of each other, which I think I saw is like the latest it's like ever been in like a season where since they went to the conference format in like the seventies or 
or something like that. So meanwhile, the Suns have already claimed the top seed in the league. <laughs> I know it's, it, it, it's crazy. Going into Sunday, the Sixers were in first place in the East, and they lost one game and were in fourth place <laughs> in the East, <laughs> which is just crazy. But yeah, I, the Sixers have been really good overall. Um, I don't know if they're the favorites to come out of the East because I think the Celtics have to be. But I would, I think nobody would be shocked if they were the team that came out of the East at this point. Not at all. Aiden, number six. I'm going with the team Lucas mentioned, the Mavs. Uh, They've cooled off a little bit of late. They've only won three of their last six. So, you know, 500, including losses to the Sixers, as Lucas mentioned, as well as to the Wolves, who 100% warrant a a spot in our top 10. Um, But anyway, um, they kind of turned around yesterday with a big one against the Jazz. Before this little streak, they'd won eight of nine, including ones over the Celtics, the Nets, the Jazz, the Warriors, kind of a who's who in the NBA. Um, When they're on, they can keep up with anyone. Spencer Dinwiddie is really on a mission to prove me wrong. um, We'll see. After he wins that title and calls me out, um, probably won't recover from it. But anyway, Mavs look good. So I have them at, at number six. Uh, Bart, number seven. Aiden set the, the set the scene for me beautifully. Don't call it a homer pick. I'm going with the Timberwolves at seven. I absolutely think they deserve this, even though they're the seventh seed in the West. It's ridiculous. I hate the fact that they might lose to the Lakers and not even make the playoffs. But anyway, that's a that's a separate discussion. They are tied for the sixth most wins in this new year in 2022. Have the fourth best net, net rating in 2022. Have the second best net rating in the month of March. Uh, they are three and three in their against 500 and above teams in their last ten. But like Aiden just mentioned, they lost once to the Mavs, but they lost by two. They then played them again and they won by 20. And then the other two losses were two to the two best teams in the league, the Celtics and the Suns. So overall, the Timberwolves are still a really good team. I'm not super discouraged by those. Cad is putting up 25 and 10 this month or something like that. So he's like super good still. But the rest of the team is actually contributing a lot, which is not something you can typically say of Timberwolves basketball. I just think they're playing really well since like basically since the new year. You can even go back to November. Basically, they're as hot as anybody. Not a homer pick at all. Jared. <laughs> um, I actually was going to pick the Wolves here, but um, then they, they didn't get to me. And I don't really like my seventh pick right now. I'm going to go the Raptors, actually, here, which is kind of mm. maybe a little off the wall, but they, they're they 8-2 and two in their last 10. The other team that I was considering was the Warriors, who are just, like, kind of imploding. Not as bad as some other teams, but they're definitely, like, not doing well. I know they beat the Heat, like, without any of their stars, but... I think the Raptors, um, they're 2-1 and one against the Heat, for example, who also hold one of the top spots in the East. And I think they, they're just making a run right now, so I think i got to put them probably there at 8, just based off of a pure power ranking right now. Not in love with it, but that's what I would say, probably, Raptors. Fair. I have the number 9 pick, and I'm, I'm, I'm very torn between my remaining options right now. I'm going to eliminate immediately eliminate the Utah Jazz because I refuse to pick them. Okay. As any good person would. I'm going to give a little bit of respect to Miami Heat as much as the respect number nine goes. Like Jared said, they've had a really tough stretch. I mean, I mean the the Warriors beat them without all of their stars, and they only have wins against the Cavs, the Thunder, and the Sacramento Kings as of late. I mean, that means losses to the Sixers, Warriors, Knicks. I mean, some Knicks aren't very aren't a very good team, but. 
it's not about you know how you start. <laughs> it's about how you finish. And I, I hopefully during this last really tough stretch coming up, they can find a way to turn it around. Um, I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt as well. I'm not putting any stock into the little argument that they had during their huddle. I think it's part of their culture. But as far as roster building okay. and complete teams go, I think the Heat deserve the nod for that. I think they blew. Then they blow like a 17 point lead to the Knicks. Like the next time, the next game after that uh, altercation. Is that true? <laughs> they blew a big I, lead to the Knicks. I, I, yeah, what, I, I do think that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> RJ Barrett, Obi Toppin, who's stopping that? I, you know, mm-hmm. exactly. No it's one, a league you know, team. And then close us out, Lucas, number 10. I have like genuinely no idea how to pick. Like, who I picked. I prep for this. Part of me wants to pick the Nets, but I don't think that's probably smart. I don't know. You know what? I'm going to pick the Nets. I'm going to pick the Nets. <laughs> the go. vaccine mandate has been lifted in the city of New York, so Kyrie is free to play there all the time. I think that'll help them. They haven't, they've been pretty good. Not great, but pretty good as of late. Um, they're 7-3 and three in their last 10, which is one of the best in the NBA. Um, they've beaten the Heat, and though, you know, the Heat are free-falling, so they didn't even make our rankings at this point because how much they've been imploding. But they're a good team, so there's like a half came out of, or I guess they're back and first in the East now. Um, they, like, lit it up against the Magic, scored 150. It's got to count for something. They also beat some good teams like the Jazz um, and the Sixers since we've lost in power rankings. So I'll put the Nets in there. Which means the Nuggets, the Hornets, the Jazz. <laughs> the Hornets. I mean, no, the, Hornets, the Hornets are hot right now. Yeah, the, no, Hornets, yeah, the Hornets, Hornets are not hard. that bad. Job dropped a, Lamella Ball dropped 30 against the Lakers not too long, a couple days ago. Yesterday? Maybe. Uh, you know, the Hornets are hot, but it means that they all missed the cut. Round of applause for the teams that actually did make it. Suns, Celtics, Memphis, Bucks, Sixers, Mavs, Wolves, Raptors, Heat, and Nets in that order from 1 to 10. I feel like I, as a, the only true contenders are like the top six. After that, I, don't, I can I wouldn't be very shocked if I saw anybody below that. <laughs> I, I see when you cut that off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the Wolves are true contenders. I mean, they're I good. Completely agree. But... I completely agree. <laughs> no, no. No, they lost for like twenty to the Celtics and by like ten to the Suns. It's yeah, not, there, there are tears to this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Also, apologies, Wyatt. I said that the Heat got left off our <laughs> list when the Heat got left off my list. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, the Heat aren't on the list today. I mean, so they barely them, made so. it. If I, if I had missed this week, they would not have made this list. So, yeah. Very close. They're not top eight, which we all know is the yeah. most important benchmark. Exactly. <laughs> Jared can fix it in post, too, where I said you know, that. Yeah. <laughs> that he did make the list. It's more authentic, though. Exactly. You know? we're, we're, we're a real blue-collar podcast. We, you know, mistakes. Yeah, we don't do freaking so. editing. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> straight export from the, the yeah. end of the recording. <laughs> Slap it in there. <clears throat> Speaking of top eight, though, thank you. The Zags, that's about as far as they got. Gonzaga was eliminated once again. They've fallen short many times in recent history. Uh, they had such a hot start, too. Bart, why has Gonzaga underachieved so badly as it has? And <laughs> are they college basketball's biggest chokers? I think we have to we have to address the leading question here. <laughs> I, I, I think I think there's a false premise here. I, I honestly think the question should not be why have they un- underachieved so badly. It should just be why have they not been even more successful? Because I don't think that they have underachieved. I would not say that they are CBB's biggest jokers. Let me start with that question. They have the most tourney wins of anybody since 2015. 
tied for the third most since 2010. And then <laughs> the the other main window, uh, like frame of time that I've been looking at in my research was from 2012, 13 onwards, because that was the first year that they were ranked as a one seed under Mark Few. Since then, they are tied for the second most elite eights, final fours, and tied for the most championship game appearances. So I ask you again, have they really been underperforming? That seems quite good to me. They don't have a championship, I recognize that, but so neither does Kansas, neither does Kentucky. I feel like those two schools don't get nearly the same flack. We talked about this last week, or was it two weeks ago? A team that recruits as well as Kentucky should probably have more you know, tournament success. Kansas is seated as a one seed just as often as Gonzaga. They haven't even reached the championship game since 2011, and they lost that one too. So like again, I think that's unfair to be so critical. For some reason, people have like started viewing Gonzaga's I don't even know. It's like a Duke type of team where they're like fun to hate on. But Duke has actually been successful. Gonzaga <laughs> hasn't. So I feel like they haven't earned this weird reputation. Anyways, as far as why they haven't been better, I honestly, I, there's one thing that I was able to think of that even semi seems convincing, and it's just strength of schedule. It's the same thing people always say. It's the fact that they play in a weak conference. I think you also have to consider the fact that the tournament is just inherently unpredictable. Like I mentioned this stat a few weeks ago. How many times does more than one seed make the final four? It's like, well, okay, let me let me phrase that another way. Three or four of them make it just like 13% of the time. So the fact that they're seeded as one seed isn't even like, you're not even expected to make the final four that often because it just doesn't happen that often, right? But anyway, as I was saying about strength of schedule, every single season, they are so much worse than the champions. Their best strength of schedule since this time span that I'm talking about, they were 72nd. <laughs> they went as low as 98th once. Whereas if you look at the teams that win, Gonzaga, or I'm sorry, Baylor last year was 43rd, and they were an outlier. Usually the average is like 13th best strength of schedule. So I'm, I'm actually, I'm coming to the conclusion that SOS is one of the best predictors of who's going to win. But that's beside the point. You don't even have to look at the teams that won at all. If you just look at the teams that lost, or excuse me, that Gonzaga lost to, they always have a stronger strength of schedule by far. So like, I know it's this kind of like head in the clouds, kind of like abstract idea that teams <laughs> that play in weaker conferences are just like softer. But I, <laughs> it honestly kind of seems like there is something to the idea that like the teams that play in the tougher conferences are more seasoned, they're more grizzled, they have more experience playing under like these high octane, high pressure games. And it seems to manifest itself in the tournament because the teams that win year in and year out have that experience, whereas Gonzaga doesn't. But again, I'm curious to hear if anybody else has any other interesting ideas, because I don't think that SOS alone paints the whole picture. But I, I, I don't know what else, you know, you, maybe you could pin it on Mark Few, but he's only ever coached at Gonzaga, so it's hard to say. Uh, anyway, yeah, that's that's my take on this, though. I think that the key takeaway is that Gonzaga has not actually underachieved, and I don't think it's fair to say so. Yeah, I'm team Gonzaga as well. Spokane, you got to you got to stick up for the Washington State schools, but the the West Coast schools. But yeah, I think it. I don't know. I didn't really have t as great of research because my premises didn't end up like panning out with with the research. But I just think that yeah, like Bart said, that March Madness does not adequately measure a team's skill as much as a four game. Obviously, as much as a four game series does in the NBA, it's always about like can you get hot at the right moment, luck of the draw, that sort of stuff. Where if you were to actually do four game series I, I think Gonzaga would actually would probably have a championship by now let's say you know what I mean yeah yeah I feel like my I think Gonzaga's underachieving is more so of like a a luck thing to some degree and given the fact that like 
Gonzaga's only really become like a top, top flight college basketball program over the past, like, I don't know, eight years or so. Like, if you look at their five-star recruits, up to 2018, they had gotten six five-star recruits in total, which is like nothing, obviously, compared to what a Kentucky or a Duke of the world would get. Since then, they've had six. So, like, you know, this is, they've only of late really started getting those five-star guys. So I feel like it's, if they can keep that up, it'll happen. It'll come. I mean, maybe, maybe it'll pass. Maybe they've missed their window. Um, but I think that's kind of what was holding them back before then to some degree is even though Mark Few could, you know, make a good team, they could still, you know, just be outcompeted by guys who are a bit more talented. They have the talent now. At some point, I feel like it's going to come together. Yeah, well, and I think, too, that the, um, sort of like the randomness that everybody's alluded to of, like, the tournament just plays in a lot to it here as well, because, like, just, you get unlucky sometimes, and, like, but I also think that Bart's point about strength of schedule is, like, really important here, because I think you get less unlucky, or you're more lucky, that's an easier way to say it. you get, you're more lucky if you've been battle-tested, if you've played in a lot of close games, and, like, I think the Final Four this year is sort of, like, proof of that as well that like the four teams that made the final four and obviously it's not like this every year are Villanova Kansas Duke and Kentucky who all play in really good conferences with really good strengths of schedules and with consistently high levels of talent and I think that like you know that helps you get lucky when you like have are more talented and more whatever and more battle tested so I think to the extent that like I think Gaines point's good too that like Gonzaga might get there, but they've only really been an elite program for, like, maybe a, a decade or so. So, like, eventually once their talent and battle testedness reaches that, they'll probably luck out and win one one year. But I wonder, too, if it would benefit them to move to the Pac-12 at some point and just play in, like, a, and, like have UCLA on the schedule a couple times a year and Arizona on their schedule a couple times a year. Whatever other programs come up would be good. Just, like, help them get that experience going forward. Yeah. And they, they have to try. Really, yeah. And yeah. like they've tried to be to schedule like the the big games in the non conference matchups. Like, I think it ended up getting canceled this year, but they tried to play Baylor. Uh, was that correct this year? And I think it got canceled because of COVID or last year or something like that. I think it was this year. Anyway, they definitely try, but yeah, being in a conference, you're right, would just automatically build in like a couple matchups a year against those people, against those yeah. big teams. Because, Jared, yeah, they played Duke this year, who they lost to, like, I think an OT or a super close game. They played UCLA, Texas Tech, um, Texas. Their, like, non-conference schedule they've tried, but the limitation is their conference schedule. And the answer to that is to exit the conference. Um, I don't know. The Pac-12 is a a so-so basketball (laughs) conference, but I guess it it would be an upgrade. Yeah. Better than the West Coast Conference. They're playing a... I'm playing uh, Kansas next year too, which will be fun. Yeah. So. Yeah, college yeah, basketball has those like, um, like beginning season tournaments or mm-hmm. like kind of like weekends. Of the Maui Invitational. Have, yeah, exactly. Where they have like super big games. I feel like Gonzaga and you know the big names play that, and then Gonzaga just goes back and plays no one for three months. But. Yeah. Exactly. But I don't know. I I think I do think college basketball. This is kind of beside the point at this point does a better job, both men's and women's, of getting like good non-conference matchups throughout the yeah. season consistently than mm-hmm. college football does, for instance. I mean, there are more games, so there's more you can do with it, which I think is inherent to the nature of it, but I do like that Gonzaga is not, like for the most part, sort of like always hemmed in by the West Coast Conference, mm-hmm. even though they play the majority of their games yeah. there. 
Yeah. Uh, Jared, when you, when we did a realignment of our conferences and the, and the football a while back, you did draft Gonzaga for the uh, the Pac-12. I, I do did. remember that. So I did. Maybe they need to hit you up for some ideas. <laughs> they want to bring some good academic pedigree, too, if they care about that, which they say they do. Gonzaga's a good school. Gotta love it. All right, well, that will just about do it for today's episode. You know the drill at this point. I I feel like a broken record. (laughs) Review us, subscribe everywhere, uh, interact with us on social media. We love to hear people's thoughts, as always, about what our good and bad takes were. Um, And just as a reminder, for those of you who don't remember, we are now the Lunch Pail Guys, no longer Youth Out Media. So make sure to look us up on the correct social media handles. As always, thank you, and we'll see you back next week.